Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. Debt is not your enemy in and of itself. It's really about being knowledgeable, educated, and managing the debt, um, you know, in a, in a proper way. And then when you get into a tough situation, considering all of your options from the top down, you know, considering the income and how you're making it, and is there a potential there, and considering the best uh, processes for you as an individual, as a household, to either earn more, save more, spend less, whatever approach works best for you. And then also realizing how dynamic that can be from day to day. Like don't get so married to one idea that you're beating yourself up when it doesn't work. This is a living, breathing thing as you are living and breathing, as you are learning and growing. Um, just don't give up on yourself and know that, you know, it starts with acknowledging that you need to do something. 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 Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Listen, today I'm solo. That's okay, because you know we still got some dope-ass information for you. Today is actually a little personal. I've been saying that a lot lately, but I, I really, really, well, I really mean it every time, but I really, really, really mean it today, and, and you'll understand why. It, it's personal because this is a topic that I think is so critically important, and it's, it's a journey that I've been on for the last, I don't know, 12 or 13 years as well. This is about getting our finances right and getting out of debt. You've heard us talking about finance for the last few episodes, but this one is special. And I'm going to start by bringing you closer into my world, even before I introduced our guest today, and give you just a little information about why this is so powerful to me. So if we go back 12 years, maybe 13, I can remember standing in front of the gas station at the pump with the pump in my hand. And keep in mind, at this time, I had an undergraduate degree in engineering, I had a master's in business administration. I was working and making six figures. Married, my wife's income equaled mine. We were doing okay. And I was standing at the gas pump, getting ready to put gas in my car. I had an SUV. And I had to stop pumping, pull out my phone, and check my bank account. Why? Because we were so frivolous in our spending, so unstrategic in the way we plan for our dollars, I needed to stop and make sure I had enough cash in my account to pay for the gas I was pumping. Literally stopped, checked my bank account, 
and then continued. And we'll talk about catalyst moments in this episode. But for me, that was a catalyst moment. That was the second that I said, you know what? I have got to do this differently. And so that's, that's where this episode is coming from. We, we want to talk about how you make that change. Impact your budget, create your budget, hell, and impact the way you spend your dollars. And I know you run into stories from time to time about the person who pays off $300,000 in nine and a half months. That's not the normal story. That's not what you hear most of the time. I wanted to get with someone who has done the hard work to pay off their debt without having to completely turn their life upside down. I I hear stories where people sell all their cars and they walk everywhere or, or they cut off an arm. I'm joking, but they do something extreme. But I wanted to talk to someone who took a strategic approach to getting out of debt and streamlining their life. But before we get to our guest today, I want to reintroduce you to someone you've heard in the last few episodes. Ms. Ensa. Ensa, why don't you take a second and just remind the folks who you are and why you're so credible and why you're here in this series? Absolutely. So hi again, everyone. Um, I am by trade an accountant and financial uh, analyst. Um, I spend a lot of time consulting with both personal finance and e-commerce brands and private equity portfolios um, and just really making sure that people spend their money strategically. And just from this space, you know, well, I'm sure we'll get into this, but I have a story similar to yours where there was a moment where I had to really go check out what was going on in my bank account. I had less than 20 bucks. Yeah. I remember because I couldn't get it out the ATM. Yeah. Um, I had to go to the grocery store. So, uh, you know, by way of background, accountant, finance um, is my my space. Uh, I have my own firm in Atlanta. And yeah, just been working with a lot of small businesses and personal finance for the la- over the last decade. And so I am so glad to have you on this journey with me. And folks, if I hadn't said it before, she's the reason we're able to do this. She pulled all the guests together for us. She worked on building these episodes out. She has been invaluable to the mission of bringing this information to you. So she's going to be rocking with us again as host and guest today. (laughs) Yes. But we got to jump into like our star for the day. We got to take a second and, and bring in our guest. And you know, most of the time we're bringing in someone who is credible in the space, an expert in the space. And today is actually much of the same, but she is an expert because she has been walking the walk, talking the talk and acting the act to get herself out of debt. So real quickly, Joycelyn, welcome to Wild Black. Thank you for having me on Wild Black today. I am so excited to share my story on you know, how I've gotten to this point, what made me start, and, you know, just kind of some some ins and outs of what we've been navigating um, when I say we, my husband and I, on this journey. Absolutely. We'll get into a little bit more of your detail and your numbers and what you did in just a moment. But first, we got to jump into this wild black shit. The folks love it too much. <laughs> it's too much fun. So... <laughs> Joycelyn, I got a couple questions for you. Are you ready? Okay. I'm nervous. (laughs) You ain't got to be nervous. You got this. You got this. This is second hand. All right. So check it out. Random day, Saturday. Whole family's at the house. Maybe your your mom, your dad, brother, sister, you know, kids, husband, everyone's at the house. For whatever reason, you're sitting on the couch putting on your lotion, right? You already got your legs done, shoulders, arms. You lotioned up. The end of this lotioning journey, you look at your hands and you have an excess of lotion, right? 
We've all been there. You got too much left on your hands. Your skin can't absorb any more. What do you do with that lotion? (laughs) So (laughs) it depends. Sometimes I'll tell my daughter to come (laughs) take some (laughs) off of me. 100. (laughs) Or I'll give some to my husband. Um, But if there's, well, so I would usually share it with somebody. Like, here, take some of this. Too much. Look, black black um, folks ain't finna waste no lotion. You better come get, I know somebody ashy in here. Somebody (laughs) ashy. Give me that knee. Take some of this lotion. We ain't putting it back in the bottle. Nothing. Right. Right. Um, That's something my mom used to do too when we were kids. She'd be like, come here. <laughs> Let me put this lotion on you. You're like, what? We calling folks out the other room. Like, lotion costs a million dollars. But listen, we save. <laughs> you save everywhere you can. If you don't come get this, this Palmer's or this, this, this uh, cocoa butter, if you don't come get this Jergens right quick. Yeah. And lotion up. <laughs> exactly. We're not wasting it. <laughs> All right. Question number two. All right. Today, we're talking about money and, and, and getting out of debt. And uh-huh. it's definitely needed. But this question is actually going to tie to where for so many of us that debt started, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking back to college. I'm thinking back to Southern University, Baton Rouge, Louisiana in 1994, 1995. When you were walking across campus, maybe headed to the union, we often would run into these tables with free umbrellas or free water bottles set up. And it was, it was a credit card company trying to get you to sign up. Which credit card companies do you remember seeing in those places? Um, maybe Visa mm-hmm. or MasterCard. See, for me, it was um, Discover. I don't know why they said every campus I went to, every career <laughs> fair I went to, it was Discover <laughs> card literally giving us free umbrellas and a credit card that anybody could get approved for with a $1,000 limit and an interest rate of probably 18%. 21%, <laughs> something crazy to set you off on the wrong path. Yeah. I mean, I feel like... If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. I was always getting Visa, MasterCard. I never really got stuff from Discover, but it could just be where we are, yeah. you know, our area where it, we were more prone to get them on campus. Here's the real question. Did you take um, the bait? Yeah. No. So I didn't sign up on campus, but I did get my first credit card at, at, at when I was in college. I, Capital One, they got me. They <laughs> sent me a letter, and I was mm-hmm. like, ooh. Now, did you did you free. do right by it, or did it you was, go out and just buy like stuff left cute. and right? Um, it was a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I was at my at the max of the limit that yeah. they had given me. Yeah, that's how it know, goes. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, the, the third and signature question in our wild black shit on wild black. What do you what do you love most about life, wild black? There's so many things. Mm-hmm. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. 
Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Mm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I love everything. I love our culture. I love how so many things are universal. Mm-hmm. You can may have never met, met someone, um, but you will have the same stories about aunts and uncles or Thanksgiving. Or lotion. Uh, down style. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love our history. Even as um, difficult as some of it is, um, the resilience that we have as a people um, to get to where we are today. Right. Um, that is something that has always stuck with me. It makes me appreciate everything that I have, everything that I've worked for, because I know the generations before me sacrificed so much to get here. Yeah. Um, so just learning, you know, learning more and more about us and the change makers that helped us get here. Yeah. Um, and just the, the fun that we have, the creativity that we have, you know, you know, it, it's just so many things that I think I wouldn't want to change any of it. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, the experiences, the the looks you can give someone, and yeah. they know exactly what you're thinking without having to open your mouth. The unspoken yeah. language we have. Yeah. <laughs> the universal codes. Um, you know, the being the black style. is like a secret organization, isn't it? It is. Yes. It, it is. is. Like we all found all- that we all made it in. <laughs> Yes. And you won't know unless you're part of it. There's there's things that you will never understand. You will never get. You will never, you know, fully know. Um, But just, you know, overall, just everything. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing I would want to change. Yeah, 100%. So I'm going to jump into our dope quote here. And and this time I I, want to get both of you all's reaction to it. Um, Okay. Joycelyn, we'll start with you. Very straightforward. I seriously doubt that when he spoke these words, he was thinking about getting out of debt. But it's so applicable. Very short. Today's dope quote is from Frederick Douglass, and it says, If there is no struggle, there is no progress. If there is no struggle, there is no process. So, Joycelyn, to you, in the area of credit debt, getting out of debt, what does that quote mean to you? It just means that even when we have to take a step backwards, that doesn't mean that's the end. Yeah. You know, you could still come back and continue to um, meet your goals. Um, sometimes you have to pivot. Um, don't get dis- too discouraged um, because, you know, as much as we want to plan and want to execute, you know, life happens. There yeah. are things that just Sometimes we can't control. So when you're looking at paying off debt or, you know, trying to get out of debt or get your finances in order, um, just because you hit a roadblock doesn't mean you have to give up. Um, There will be times where it feels like you're not even making a dent (laughs) in what you're trying to accomplish. But you just have to remind Mm -hmm. yourself that there's a bigger goal. Yeah. um, And just to keep going. You know, yeah. keep keep going. There were times where I would just be like, oh, I'm never going to get through this. I'm never going to pay this off. I'm never going to get to a point where, 
Because um, I would see people like you you mentioned in the beginning that were paying off these huge sums of money. And I'm like, why can't I just get that, you know, get to that point? Mm-hmm. But still knowing that, okay, I'm doing everything that I can do to get to this next step. So I just have to keep chipping away, yeah. keep chipping away slowly, um, but surely. So just not getting discouraged when when something comes up that you didn't plan for. Yeah. Um, and learning how to pivot. <laughs> the, the struggle is going to come, but eventually yeah. so will the progress. Ensa, what do you hear? What do you think when I when I read that quote? Oh, I hear so much. Um, I think my first kind of thought is that, you know, overcoming is becoming. Mm, say right? that. So basically, when I think about it, it's like we're going through these things so that we can become whatever's on the other side of it. Um, and that's both kind of an individual thing, but also a collective thing, right? So. For me, what I feel is when I learn something, uh, my desire is to teach that something to the next generation so that they can skip that and yeah. learn the next thing, basically. Like they need to, you know, level up. If I leave this world in, in a, a metaphoric number seven, you know, I want the next generation to start at seven, not right. at one or two or three. Right. So for me, it's kind of just like a symbol, symbolic of our journey as a people that every generation and every um, group or tribe or family is learning and overcoming something to become whatever the next and greater you know phase is in our life and in our destiny. Yeah. So um, and then and then secondly, that just for me in a professional space, it makes it very relatable, right? When I have this conversation with clients about building their budget, whether personal or business, I can say with confidence what doesn't doesn't work. I can share life experiences because I, I went through them. So to me, that's the progress and that's the process. It's, those are things that I could not, you know, document or attest to yeah. just by reading a textbook, right? So yeah. that that is a professional uh, side of it as well. But yeah, definitely overcoming is becoming. Yeah. I, I love how you painted that picture of if, if I expire on a seven, yeah. then those behind me should be starting at a seven, not a five, not even yeah. a six and not, no. not a two. I absolutely love that. I, I look at things under under this lens. I want to build a legacy so strong with such a foundation that all my future generations can confidently stand upon that legacy and continue to climb and reach places that I that I never even saw. I, I often say that that today the three of us are are our ancestors' wildest dreams, but our responsibility yeah. is to create generations of people that our ancestors couldn't even fathom. I don't even right. want them to be able to think that far, that advanced, that successful, that profitable, that strategic, that intellectual. I want to create something that's so far past what we can achieve that we change the world. Like that's that's yeah. what we're building to. That's the goal. All right. So let's get into these questions today. You ready? Ready. Yeah. All right. So, Joycelyn, before we we get into what you did. And, and the how you did it. I'd love if you just mm-hmm. take a few moments and kind of paint the picture for our listeners. Talk to them about where you were, what type of education you had. If you can give salary ranges, give that. Did you have bonuses coming through? What was your, your level of debt looking like? Paint this financial picture for them so they understand what your starting point was. Then we'll talk through how you got where you are and we'll talk about the ending at the end. So um, for me... I have never been a huge overspender, but I've also never been that great when it comes to 
money um, and having a budget and everything was kind of like I was spending it as I was getting it. So, but I wasn't like super into debt either. So in college, um, I opened my first credit card. Um, and of course I immediately kind of like went to the limit on the, on the card and was just making the minimum payments. Um, I took out student loans to go to school. Um, and so I went to school, William Patterson University. I hear, I I, I see a refund check story coming at some point. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it was, um, so basically I was commuting to school because I, I, I lived in um, New Jersey um, and I was able to get grants, which is awesome because with grants, you don't have to pay them back. You're, you get this money, you qualify for this money and they give you the money to go to school. But I still had to um, take out a little portion of money to cover what the grants did not right. um, cover in my term bill. So they, I, of course, I got um, notices saying, like, you can get student loans. Um, and I only needed to take out a portion. <laughs> but so many people were like, oh, I get a refund check. My refund checks are, you know, X, Y, Z. I'm like, I want a refund check. <laughs> <laughs> so, so can I just take out this loan right here? Let me get um, some so of that free money. More, <laughs> right. So I took right. out more money than I needed to, which... Someone should have absolutely told me, do not do that. (laughs) (laughs) Only take out what you need. And and even before you do that, see if there's a way that you can pay off, save up and pay off. Because it wasn't a whole lot, but it it wasn't something that I just had, you know, lying around either. Um, So I I took out the loans, got the refund check. um, And then it was like, oh, I have this money. You know, then you buy clothes, you buy shoes. I think I put down a down payment on a car, but then with the car, you have to pay a car note. Um, And then because, and insurance and gas and all of that. Um, And it wasn't that I, you know, I, I... At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I didn't go out and get like a crazy car. I got like a Honda Accord or no, Honda Civic. And then, um, but I didn't have credit. So I had one credit card, but the limit was like maxed out. (laughs) And so I had a high (laughs) interest rate on the car. So Mm -hmm. I was paying, you know, a high amount of payments and everything. So it just was kind of like, okay, so I, I don't know these this car was a lease, but the payments were still high. Um, then I got a few store credit cards, again, buying stuff, taking it up to the limit. Um, and just, it, it was just, I was buying things and then just paying the bare minimum. Yep. And it was just, I kept the doing trap. that, kept doing that, kept doing yeah. that. Was never really paying anything off, but I was never in default. Um, 
per se. So <laughs> it was just kind of like, oh, I'm good, I'm good. But just not having that ed- education. Um, yeah, all, and all that meant the credit that, card companies loved you. Yeah, I'm right. Did anybody <laughs> right. ever tell you not to go to the limit? Did anybody ever no. tell you that? Okay. No. <laughs> yeah, I had I'm one like, person tell me that when I was at the car dealership and he was like, well, the reason why you have to pay this much is because you're at your limit. Like, you're not supposed to be at the limit. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Well, so he's trying to give you more debt, got to coach you on the debt. Right, right, right. (laughs) Got it. Yes, exactly. So he wasn't really trying to like school me. It wasn't helpful. It was just, right. It was like a better position so I could get some money out of you too. Mm -hmm. But you're going to still sign on this line for this, exactly, um, (laughs) for this car note. Right. So long story. So then, you know, through the years, so I worked, I graduated. You know, and even after I graduated, I still did not graduate with a ton of student loan debt, which is good, but I still had enough, you know, it was still, you know, still there, at least um, about um, $25,000 worth of student loan, student Mm -hmm. loan debt. Um, And so I was put, you know, tried to defer it. You know, they give you that six yeah. months grace period after you, after you graduate. And then I was trying to defer it. I kept trying to put it in forbearance. Um, and it was just, you know, it just wasn't good. Like I wasn't doing really anything but paying the minimum or then trying to not pay at all. Right. Um, so that was affecting my credit score um, and all of that. At that time, I had met my my he was my boyfriend at the time, but my future husband. Um, and so he was much more I would I would say responsible with money. <laughs> um, even though he still had loans of his student loans, he didn't have any credit cards. Right. So he was kind of like, I do try to do everything in cash. You know, I try to, you know, what if I want to buy something, I try to save paying in cash. And I had never heard anybody just not having a credit card. So he kind of got me in the mindset of you should probably not rely on your credit card. You should probably, you know, try to come up with a game plan. When people hear that you work in television, they think, oh, you're like making these mega bucks. No. (laughs) When you are first starting in the industry, you are good to make ends meet. Um, So I was definitely... My debt to income ratio was off balance, (laughs) Um, and I would that in turn made me not save any money, you know, at all. So like if if I stopped working, it was just like I had no money, I had no savings, nothing, Um, and it was just terrible. (laughs) Real real quick, I want to take a second and and do a little education. Uh Enter. Do you mind breaking down debt to income ratio for those listening? Absolutely. So basically, it's just the total amount of debt you're carrying um, as a percentage of your total income. Um, And so you can obviously look at that kind of monthly or on an annual basis, but most people are looking at it kind of annualized. Um, The the thing that a lot of creditors are looking at is kind of on a monthly basis, how much debt are you having to pay out of your income? And that kind of helps them to determine how much more you can afford. Um, And so a lot of people don't know there are pretty straightforward metrics that people are looking at. And those metrics or the, the ratios that people are expecting yeah. are different if you're trying to buy a car um, versus if you're trying to buy a house and if you're trying to you know, qualify for a credit card. Got They're it. all slightly different. So in general, um, you don't want your credit card you know, payment to be more than 10% of your uh, overall 
you don't or your overall monthly income mm-hmm. and you don't want like your mortgage to be more than like 36% of your monthly income or it just that that's a really high number so closer to 28 but 36 is like your absolute max um in order to just be in a healthy place and it, it goes back to what joy was saying about you know not being able to save and not being able to even transition sometimes i know people who aren't able to transition from job to job seamlessly or stay in a job or a role that they absolutely hate right. simply because of their economic situation as it relates to you know their credit cards and their savings and things like that but Perfect. yeah that makes a lot of sense. All right. So Joyce, come back to you. You you graduated college. You had a little, a little student loan debt, but not too much. Went through the process of buying cars, growing up, yep. creating debt, ran into the husband again at the at the car dealership. He, car came, dealership. he came to the table, like, hold on, I don't I don't do credit cards. They got me once. I don't mm-hmm. do credit cards. So now yeah. now you're in now you're in this relationship where there's there's some different kind of kind of balance happening. So now fast forward yeah. to where you start this this financial journey that you're on now. So shortly after we bought our house, we found out that we were having our daughter. Do- um, we were pregnant, so we had our daughter. Um, and then that, I think that was when I kind of started to be like, okay, we need to kind of. Well, I have to have a reality check. Yeah. Because now we have more household expenses as far as childcare, food, diapers, and stuff like that. So it's not just him and I anymore. I can't just you know, spend, just spend. (laughs) Um, But what really I think came, what it came down to was just looking at our bank account and seeing all the transactions. So at that time I had one bank account and I just had a ton of transactions, just a ton of transactions. I could not pinpoint where the money was going. It was just money going out, money going out, money going out. And I'm just like, I'm making money, but it's not staying in this account. Where is it going? So um, we, I was like, my sister had came over and she was like, oh, I've heard a bit, heard about this guy. His name is Dave Ramsey. Um, he has Financial Peace University. Do you guys want to, you know, check it out? She was talking to like our whole family. Um, I, I'm one of uh, four girls. So she was talking to me, my parents, and my husband. And so we're like, oh yeah, cool. Well, you know, listen to it. And so when we started listening to his um, lessons about how you should write down all the debt that you have, all the bills that you have, so you can start tracking your money and seeing where it's going, it was almost like a light bulb went off. Like, oh, why, why haven't we been doing this the whole time? We've just kind of been paying things. <laughs> You know, paying things out of our account. Again, all of our bills are paid, but at least for on my end, I was I still wasn't saving any any money. Right. So we went through the course. So hold on. Um, Before you go into the mm -hmm. how, let's back up Mm -hmm. for a second. I want to talk about a couple other things. Do you mind sharing how much debt you started out with? Okay, yeah. Um, so as so we sat down and collectively um, we have about we had about seventy seven thousand dollars worth of what I call consumer debt that right. does not include our mortgage payment. Right. So that is our cars, our credit cards, our student loans. Right. Um, so that totals about seventy seven thousand between the two of us, and I will say most of it was mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy how you don't recognize where you are until something pops your head up. So I actually yeah. want to, I want to talk about that something. Actually, two questions mm-hmm. for both of you all. When you when you look at where you were, 
Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. How did you identify what the root problem was? And then what was that catalyst moment for you? Like, as example, my root problem, when I sat down and really went through my budget, it was the fact that as a family, we were spending several hundred dollars a week on groceries because I had children at this time. But in addition to that, we were probably spending an additional twelve to $1,300 a month eating out. It, it was the very quick on the way to work. I'm going to stop and grab something. Oh, at lunch, let me go grab something. I'm tired. We, it's too late to cook dinner. Let me grab something. And we did that to the tune of twelve, thirteen hundred dollars $1,300 a month on top of, you know, eight, nine, a thousand dollars $1,000 a month in groceries. So what was the root cause for you all? And then what was that, that moment where you said, it's got to change? Yeah, I would say it's similar, um, eating out. Um, I work in New York. So I live in New Jersey. I work in New York. So I was commuting into the city, but I wasn't bringing lunch. And New York is much more expensive than New Jersey when it comes to food prices. So I would be spending almost $20 a day on lunch. Um, So when I would look at my bank statements, it would just be all these lunch charges. And I'm like, man, I really feel like I could be saving so much more or just planning better. Um, Also, Amazon, that was a problem. Say that. I would just put it in the cart, buy it, you know, so then I would have all these Amazon charges on my my bank statements. Um, So it just was a lot of things, you know, and just not being able to pinpoint where money was coming out, where you know, because it was. was just money. Yeah, money coming out, left and right, left and right. And I had, I, had it, I was not organized. So it was just, I would spend, 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 and I wasn't tracking, I wasn't keeping up. Um, so that was when I was like, okay, something is has to change. So that was when, when we really got back to, okay, are we going to plan this wedding? Are we going to do these renovations on this house? Okay, I still you still don't have a savings though. Like you're still not saving any money. Um, and so that was when we, you know, we sat down, we did the course, and I was kind of like, okay. So once I put the numbers all on paper and I got to see how much interest I was charging, because that was another thing. It's like you making you I'm making the minimum payments, but these interest rates that I have are ridiculous. Like I gotta try to get rid of some of this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. so that's Basically, when it all came to a head was when after we bought the house, okay, we have this house, we have this mortgage, we're paying our mortgage on time, all of that stuff. But (laughs) a lot of people don't tell you when you buy a house, it's not just about making the mortgage payments. It's about making the maintenance on the house. Mm -hmm. If something goes wrong, you have to be able to pay for those things out of pocket. Um, Being able to furnish a house (laughs) is expensive. Mm -hmm. Those are all things that you have to take into consideration. Yeah. Um, Which we, which we obviously knew, but it definitely, you you can't do everything. So it's like, you're still trying to have this big wedding. You want, you want furniture. You want a kitchen reno, which is, um, which is my wedding, essentially. Right. You know, when you start adding up, gut in the kitchen, gut in bathrooms. So it was like, you know, we had to have the conversation. And then my husband's looking at me like, but you're not saving any money and you want all this stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I know that. Yeah. One. You know, so what? Yeah, <laughs> what are we gonna do? Yeah. Um, so if, if you, you looked so up and you knew it was time to change, right? You you knew yes. that something had to change. What? Yes. What actionable steps did you take? Because I can only imagine that we've got a ton of people who are listening now, and they they're at that same moment where they recognize this isn't sustainable, right? If I want better, I've got to yeah. change. I've got to do better. So what steps yeah. did you take and how did you identify what those steps were? So the steps we took, so after we did the financial piece, they give you kind of tips that, you know, can help you start out on the path. Um, they tell you to save a thousand, $1,000 if you can. If you can't save a thousand, save 500. Right. And financial um, piece, that's so Dave Ramsey's financial that's piece. That's by Dave Ramsey, okay. his course. Um, and he also has a book called Total Money Makeover. So I listened to the um the audiobook um, right. for that. Um, and then I also listened to You Need a Budget um, by Jesse Meckham. Um, so I was just kind of listening to those different things to try to get some tips. Um, so basically what, what we did was we wrote down every single debt item that we had, including our mortgage. That's, that's um, a scary so moment. I know. <laughs> it was like I was sweating. I was like, oh my gosh. So we wrote down our we wrote down all of our debt. We wrote down the interest rate. Um, and we wrote down the balance, um, the minimum payments that we were making. Right. That we had to make, plus how much we were bringing in um a month between the two of us. <laughs> Excuse me. And then when so then we we made a budget. So once we knew, okay, this is how much debt we have. I made one of those, um, the, it was like a board and it's almost like, you know how you do a, when you're raising money <laughs> with the little thermometer on it. So <laughs> like I made one of those. The red thermometer that fills up? Yeah. <laughs> so I made one of those and I put, you know, different milestones on it, 5,000, 10,000. Right. And I put like, you know, how much debt. So that was kind of one of the re ways we started, a, a physical way for yeah. me to see it. Yeah. And then I went through my bank statement because I was like I was saying, I had everything coming out one bank account. Um, and a lot of the... Um, financial people, when there's when you first start paying off debt, they tell you to do the cash envelope system where you take out a certain amount of money and you put it in envelopes and you sign it <clears throat> a task. That was always a struggle for me to do. I'm not a huge cash person, but I was like, there has to be a better way for me to organize my finances. And so I went quick, through- Just for our my, listeners, when, when you say the cash system, does, uh, that cash mean, does that mean you look at your expenses for a month and you pull out how yeah. much cash you need to cover planned expenses, and you yes. only use that yes. cash as opposed to swiping? In the envelope. Okay. Yeah. And so the goal is for you to only use the money that is in the assigned envelope, and then you can't, you're not supposed to use any other money. But sometimes, obviously, if you um, spend less in one area, you right. can take from another envelope. But the goal is to stay within whatever whatever is in the envelope. Gotcha. Um, but I'm just not a good cash person. I've because never you gotta been run to the bank and to get that like cash that. out. Yeah. Right. And it's exactly the intent is to give the money a specific like action. There's a couple different um budget techniques, but there's definitely like that cash based budgeting, which I think does not work awesome for our generation, the theory works really well, like giving your money right. a specific task, mm -hmm. but the physical right. action of 
keeping cash in envelopes or I've seen people do it in right. in jars or whatever. Right. It just doesn't doesn't necessarily line up with the it, logic of yeah, how we it live didn't, our lives. It didn't work with me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was struggling to keep up with it. So basically what I did was I went through my bank statement and I highlighted everything in different colors. So food expenses, bills, and all of that. And so once I got to the end, I once I categorized everything, I added everything up on where we were spending and kind of, I made my husband print out his and I went through it. <laughs> so um, it was like, okay, this is how much we're spending a month in each of these categories. And I made a, a Excel spreadsheet that he still says he does not understand, but it don't matter because I get it. So I looked through it. Um, and what I ended up doing was I opened a bank account specifically for our bills. So oh. no bills come out of my our main bank account. We basically, um, it's like a cash envelope. I send, we send a certain yeah. amount to that account and then we write out all our bills. And and it has made a tremendous difference. One, because I never have to think about it because I already know like we've set this amount, he sends a certain amount and then we just pay all the bills. All right, so I've, I've got done. two questions. Mm-hmm. And, and so the second one will be for you. So yeah. in this system, right, the cash system didn't work for you. You don't want to go to the bank, take the money out, put it in in, no. in an envelope. But you did go through your all your 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 outlays. You mm-hmm. you categorized them, and then did yep. you create one bank account for all of your bills or multiple no. bank accounts for the category? Multiple bank accounts. So I have ah. a bank account for various expenses. What I call various expenses, so right. just like things that um, don't need to come out of my main bank account. Right. <laughs> but I I put like you have um, two hundred dollars. You know, so for Amazon, you have two hundred dollars. So I send it to a certain bank account. And that's what I use to buy stuff. Um, and then I have a bill, um, an account for saving for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I send a certain amount of money each month for that. Um, and then when Christmas comes, I buy all the gifts. And I don't have to. Oh. So that is what I, what people refer to those as sinking funds. Right. Um, where you set a certain amount of money aside each month. So when it comes time to do something, it doesn't affect your overall monthly budget. Right. Um, I have a travel fund account. I have a renovations account. Um, so I just try to, if there's something, I mean, because you can open as many bank accounts as you want. Right. So I just try to keep it so where if it's big things that I keep, set, that I want to separate right. out just for my own eyes to know where things are. But the biggest thing was the bills. Right. Um, the bills account and debt. So my our bill, well, basically a bill. Uh, all of our debt and um, household bills come out of that account, and we just gotcha. make sure the money is there. Um, so, and so, so you, how you we are started. literally creating division across your your finances. Yeah, and the money. So yeah. One, yeah. one follow up question there, and then Enzo, I want to ask you a question. When you yeah. have all those multiple accounts, the first thing that came into my mind is how do you manage the the, the fees for those accounts, or or were there fees for those accounts? So I have a credit union. I got rid of my commercial bank accounts um, a while ago. Um, and so I have a federal credit union. They do not charge me nice. for my bank accounts. And I don't have to keep a minimum daily balance in nice. them. So I just, <laughs> I'm able to just open multiple accounts. Nice. And how I see them is I name them when I log into my um, 
my web portal, every account is named, has a specific name, so I know what account is what. So you've got um, a feeder account every- where your 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 paycheck hits, and then yes. you go in and manually move money from your one account. Yeah, yep. you allocate to these other other accounts. Other accounts. I, I love it. And not mm-hmm. every account has a debit card either, so that's also, ah. that's also important. That's I don't need a get, debit yep. card for exactly. all accounts. So you can't access um, that so money so easily. Account, don't access this right. money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so some of my accounts just don't have a debit card attached to them, and some do. Yeah. Um, my our, our bills account obviously has a debit card attached yeah. to it, but that is really it. My other accounts are just kind of like, I use them as like saving, and then yeah. if I need to use the card, a card, or if I need to use a card, what I'll do is I'll do a transfer, but I will label the transfer what it is going towards. So, so when I see it in the account, it'll say, you know, transferred for X, Y, Z, you know, like so for there's, Christmas. There's a so justification Christ- trail here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So our Christmas, um, our Christmas account has no, no credit card attached to it. So when Christmas comes, when I'm buying gifts, I send a certain amount over and it says yeah. for the X amount of gifts, yeah. Christmas gifts, or, or, you know, I usually put my daughter's name sense. or whoever I'm buying it for. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in my, on my statement, I'm like, oh yeah, that was from when I You always have that so, reminder. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> into that, that brings me back to your question, right? We, we talked about <clears> the cash <throat> system. We, we talked about Joycelyn's like worker B account system. That, that's how it works in my head. But you mentioned earlier <laughs> mm-hmm. that there were other ways. What what are a few of the other methods that you may recommend that people learn about looking to when they're trying to really get tight on their budgeting? Yeah. So, I mean, Joycelyn kind of combined a couple methods. One of the first is basically just uh, some people do like a zero-based budget. Right. Uh, so cash-based is kind of like taking all the money, giving it a specific task. Zero based is saying I'm going to have every single dollar allocated to something specific. And that includes savings. So nothing is left over. Every single dollar is allocated. That's zero based budgeting. Then you have people when they're trying to like tighten up where they do kind of categoric um, controls. So taking an approach similar to what Joycelyn did, like taking everything out of your bank account, categorizing it and saying, I only want to spend either X dollars or X percentage of my money on this category moving forward Um, and deciding like, okay, historically I've spent a thousand dollars moving forward. I only want to spend 500 in this area. um, And that's just that, you know, and that's, and that leaves whatever shakes out from that then becomes savings or excess money to pay off debt or whatever the objective is. Um, And it really just varies based on what your objective is. What I did was I did categorize everything. I did know that I was overspending um, in a certain in certain places, so I cut those places specifically in half right. um, and reallocated those funds. But then everything else, I took a broad stroke approach, meaning I want to cut all of this by twenty percent or thirty percent mm. or whatever the number is, right. and just said like, "Hey, overall, I want to cut back all of these. They're all pretty proportionate to what I think they should be. So let's just cut it back as a total." and see how that works out. Um, and the one thing that I just want to point out, you're going to change this. Um, people come to me all the time and they want to make a budget and it feels like when they're making it that it's the final budget they're ever going to make in their lives. And I know Joycelyn can agree to this. You're going to go back and rework that thing a few times over. Like It's going to change as life changes, as different things come up, how you approach it evolves because you're learning about yourself. Right. Um, and I really encourage people to consider their own emotional state mm-hmm. and how they budget. You yeah. know, like yeah. really think about how this affects you because 
for me, I'm not that person that's like, I'm going to cut out every single activity and I'm not going to go to the movies. I'm not going to eat it. I'd be super depressed. Right. So I just know that's not my way, which is why I took the way of just kind of cutting everything unilaterally back a little bit yeah. and finding yeah. alternatives or even just finding like coupons, like just being more diligent in how I chose to do the things that I was doing and not necessarily saying I wasn't going to do them, but just finding a better way to a better way to approach him. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I want I want to follow up a question with you real quick, and so about that. Yeah. And then Joyce, I'd love to for you to provide an example to this. So, and so when when people go through the budgeting process, right? And 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 now they mm-hmm. they've built this budget, understanding that it's living and it will change. How do you go mm-hmm. from building this budget to reducing your debt? What are some of the strategies that you can apply? to bring that debt number yeah. down. And in, in Joycelyn's case, it was 77000 So now she's got a budget. What, what kind of things would you recommend that she do? And then Joycelyn, I'd love to hear what you actually did. There is quite a few different like approaches. I would say there are five or six that are most common. I think the, the one you hear about often is like the cascade method, and it has a couple of different names. But basically starting with the smallest credit card or the smallest debt, um, whatever the easiest thing is for you to attain, paying that off first. Right. Um, and you then building your way up. Yeah. And yeah. basically, that's exactly what it is. It's the low-hanging fruit. And it's about giving you the courage and the the um, feeling of achieving something and, and being able to keep the momentum based on that. Like losing so the, that first five people, pounds. I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, this is now I'm encouraged. I know I can keep moving forward. I'm good. So that that's one approach. Um, the other approach, which for people like me, um, I kind of took a mix of these two. I took what is the highest interest. So effectively, what is costing me the most mm. by remaining outstanding every month? Mm. And so you look at that with what Joy did, same thing I did. I took all of the amounts that I owed. I took the interest that, I, you know, the rate of interest that was being applied to those things, the minimum payment, and just keep in the back of your mind that a really high interest rate on a low card, you don't want to just jump at it because it's the highest interest rate. You have to consider both together. Right. The balance that you have and the interest rate because 20% of $20 doesn't mean anything when you've got 13% of $10,000, right? right? So right. Really considering the impact of both metrics, the balance and the interest together um, is really important. One of the things that I did is at the time that I was going through this, just like Joyce said, we weren't in default on anything. So the beauty in that is you can go find credit cards that have zero balance um, for or zero interest for balance transfers for mm. a year, 18 months, six months, whatever, whatever amount of time it is, right? But any time for free is better than time getting charged interest. Yeah. So I took, when I say I took kind of a dual approach, I kind of did all the things. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't pick one. I was like, what makes the most sense for the moment that I'm having right now? Yeah. Um, and that was, taking the really high interest rate balances or the balances that were the largest dollar amount that I knew would take me the longest time to tackle and putting them on a balance transfer, like with zero interest for 12 to 18 months. And then putting myself on a very regimented payoff plan for that. Like I literally, if I knew I had 18 months, no interest, I put myself on a 16 month plan. You know, if I knew I had 12 months, I put myself on a 10 month plan to give myself a little bit of grace. If I messed up one month, I I had two months to kind of recoup on the end. And then I took the approach of paying the little ones as well, kind of at the same time. So those are some very like specific ways to approach it. Um, The other thing that, uh, let me just go back. One thing I did that I will tell people I would not recommend, because I had to pay debt off twice. 
first time I did it, um, I engaged one of those like debt consolidation companies. Uh, and, I've always um, wondered. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Oh, I don't wonder. Let me just tell you. I mean, and maybe other people disagree, but for me, it's a gift and a curse, right? As a professional, it taught me a lot. So now I can assist others when they run into these problems and I know the types of things to ask for from creditors. As a person, it was harmful because what most of those um, situations um, incur, what they're doing is they're actually closing the cards for you. They're negotiating a payoff in a lot of cases but it's a situation where in order to get that payoff or get that balance lowered or reduction of interest, waiving interest and penalties, whatever, you're um, agreeing to close your account. So you lose so access to that credit. You lose access to the credit card for sure. So in the short term, you're kind of suffering. And in some cases, the credit, the creditor, so let's say I have a $10,000 limit, I have $5,000 on the card, so I'm at a 50% um, mm-hmm. utilization ratio. I'm looking good. And all of a sudden they close ah, it. So now one of two things, right? Exactly. So either they're showing I have a five thousand dollar limit, which I means I'm at a hundred percent of my limit, or they're showing zero as my limit, and, you're and over. I still have five thousand dollars. I'm over limit, you know, wow. at this point. So that was horrendous for me in terms of being able to maneuver in life. Like I need a new car, I need a home, I need an apartment, even. And my credit looks shot, although I haven't actually missed any payments or done anything wrong. It's just that I went through this consolidation company and this is how they consolidate. Wow. So I just, you know, I tell people to just be very cautious of those programs that go out and negotiate on your behalf if part of it is that they're going to close the account. That's because really interesting. That is not great. So I heard I heard a couple things. I, I heard you say mm-hmm. that by going through those companies, it it, it did indeed slow and reduce potential interest rates. It might have yeah. made you feel better initially, but yeah. on, on paper, it impacted you negatively, which impacts your ability to move through this world that operates with and through credit, right? So all of a sudden, Absolutely. your Beacon score was impacted, I would assume. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, Beacon, FICO, like I, I basically was in a position where anything else that I needed to do for the next few years would cost me more. Yeah. Um, it made it difficult having to get co-signers for a car. And it was annoying, you know, frustrating to me because to this point, I've needed no one and I've had $100,000 limits and I've been just wow. out here living my life. And now I've got to call my mom, you know, to co-sign. And this, the type of woman that I am, you, you know, I don't want to ask anybody for anything, period. Right. So even just asking someone to sign for you, I don't even need the money, but just now I need your name associated with everything I do. And that, it breaks you mentally, yeah. at least me. And I think for some people, when you've worked so hard to achieve so much, and then it's like taken from you without clear communication, um, it's it's hard. Yeah. And so those companies are now required, uh, to my knowledge, to fully disclose to you that that's what they're going to do. Um, and, and credit card companies now also will disclose to you as the consumer, like, hey, this company reached out on your behalf. This is what's been negotiated. 
here are the negative ramifications mm. of that. Are you sure? So that that a lot has changed. This was a decade over a decade ago um, that this happened, probably like 15 years ago for me. So <laughs> I was 20, 21, and it's just, I didn't know, yeah. you know? So now I know, and I yeah. know better, you know, what to tell people around me when they ask. And I know that a lot of the same phone calls that they made on my behalf, and they were taking a percentage. So that's the other thing is like, you're saving money, but not really. Because they're also getting money from you. You're paying them a fee mm. every month in a part in that consolidated payment you're making. You're paying them a fee basically to administrate, to be an administrator on your behalf and to negotiate on your behalf um, and to effectively pay your bills. So most times, I mean, for me, I don't need anybody to pay my bills. Had I known that that's really what it was, I would have never signed up. I had no problem paying my bills. I just wanted to not have to pay interest and in, in penalties. That is such clarity. Wow. I, I had yeah. no idea of that. It, it brings me, I have a follow-up question for you. And then, then Joyce, yeah. and I'm going to come back with another question for you. Um, we mentioned Beacon Score and, and FICO. Do you mind just taking a couple mm -hmm. of seconds, Insa, and breaking down what those are and the differences? Yeah. So, Basically, there are different versions of your credit score, and every industry uses a different version. I think FICO now has like eight different versions of your FICO score. And so um, they're just different underwriting methodologies, basically. There are different weights um, in how your credit is viewed. So understanding like derogatory remarks and derogatory uh, history in your, your credit score, meaning late payments, um, leases or things that you've defaulted on, those things are all weighed differently across a different company. So FICO is one type of score. Uh, Beacon is another. Yeah. You have Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion that are all credit unions, or sorry, um, credit bureaus, excuse right. me, that basically all underwrite and weight things slightly differently um, to come up with a score aggregate for you. Um, and obviously, the higher your credit score, the more uh, likely you are to qualify for loans and other, you know, debts and things like that. And, right. and the lower the interest rate will be. So the less money you pay for borrowing money yeah. over your lifetime. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Uh, Joycelyn, I, I want to come back to you. So we, we've talked about the fact that you recognized there was a need for a budget. Then you all yep. built the budget. Then you all got educated through Dave Ramsey, through, through other books and other resources. And then yep. you created a system and a process that worked for you all, the, the multiple yes. accounts. So the question yeah. I have for you here is, there were two mm -hmm. of you all, you, you were married, right? So inside of the household, how did you all keep each other in check and stay in line? Because it, it's hard enough as one person to control your <laughs> urges and your spending habits. How do you do it as two? Well, I think the thing about it is, is we... Now that we know, like basically we knew how much we needed to pay off our debt, how much we knew knew we needed to pay off um, to save, you know, we had like a certain savings amount and then we kind of give each other like, okay, so this is how much we should aim to spend on, you know, personal stuff mm -hmm. um, and not trying to control each other's spending, you know, so like my husband wants to buy something, he could totally buy it, you know, he knows basically how much we're spending in other areas. Mm -hmm. um, so he may not buy it right away. He may, you know, wait to, you know, save and, and buy it. Um, but I, I don't try to police what he buys and he doesn't police what I buy either. Right. Um, so that has made communicating a lot easier 
Right. Um, and it allows us to still do things that we like to do, that we enjoy, to help keep us sane. Because like Insta was saying, it's very hard to just give up everything yeah. and take all the joy trying to pay off debt just because you're trying to pay it off really fast. Um, because life is still happening. Um, so that's one of the ways that we have the conversation. And anytime we need to pay something that comes up, we talk about it. We're like, okay, this is what, this is how much it is. This is what, you know, we'll sit down and have a conversation. Usually every month, um, even if we don't have a direct conversation, my husband always sends me a text message about this is what I paid. And I'm, and I tell him like, this is what I paid. 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 Um, and so far it has worked. Um, and then we try, I try to do like a quarterly conversation. Like, mm. okay, okay. We need to talk this quarter about what of our, what our plans are, what we're trying to do next. Um, and that has just been what we've been doing like the past two, two years, two and a half years. Right. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, is just kind of, if there is any changes, we address it. Um, if something comes up, we talk about it. We don't try to hide it from each other. We try to, you know, communicate. That is the biggest thing right. that has been helpful throughout this process, just communicating with each other. Yeah, I can see um, that. And the zero-based... So I kind of do a bunch of different things. Like Insta was saying, I do have a... Um, I do follow a zero-based budget. I follow another budget where I have everything categorized. So I will tell your viewers, there is no size-fits-all to mm-hmm. figuring out what system works best for your finances. You kind of have to test out different ones and then see, it could be a combination of both, a multiple, mm-hmm. it could be one, um, and see what works for you because um, everyone's um, finances are different and everyone processes things different. So what might be easy for me is not really easy for you. Yeah. And so you might get discouraged because you can't figure it out. So what I usually have told people, because it's what I've done, is I try different methods. Yeah. So one month I might be doing, you know, one thing. The next month I might be doing something else. Um, I have a calendar. So my phone has all of our bills, dates, stuff like that in it. Ooh, so it sends good. me notifications. You know, so I just mm-hmm. have a bunch of different systems that really help me, you know, yeah. stay up on things that I'm supposed to be doing, things so that you, we're you got a you know, lot of good controls in place. And I think that's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And, and, that's, yeah. and that's what you need. Like, Joy is absolutely correct. You've got to give yourself the space to learn and grow and understand that, like, we're learning this in our adult lives. And yeah. Some of these things that, you know, I wish we learned um, when we were younger, you know, just even credit utilization and what credit scores were. But budgeting is one of those things and financial literacy as a whole is one of those things that the earlier we learn it, the better. So it's a blessing that, you know, you're going through all those different methodologies because now you can teach that to your daughter yeah. at a very early age. And I yeah. think, yeah. you know, that's one thing that I'm I'm grateful for. I saw my parents sit down every month and go through that and have very transparent conversations about their finances, um, albeit not perfect. But to me, it was at least like a framework for what discussions yeah. need to be had. Um, whether, you know, by yourself or, or with a spouse or whatever, you know, whomever roommates even, because I've had, I've had those sit down conversations with a roommate and just kind of understanding, Hey, look, 
this tissue paper is not cheap. I don't know what you're doing <laughs> with it, right. but you know, we got to get this, this ain't thing arts and craft. That's for this sure. This is not. What are you? This, you this ain't arts and craft. This is like, wipes what? and ass. We got to get this <laughs> right. right. What is we doing? What is we doing? So it just you know, and who who's coming over? Are they taking our paper out home? Like I just don't understand. Oh. So it just you know, it just becomes one of those things that we just have to talk about. Um, yeah. And I at the time was living with my. Uh, boyfriend, you know, and we had to kind of have some heart to hearts, which are different to have when you're not married, right? Living yeah. together, but not married. And that's, that goes into the topics of why our parents may say not to do certain things, but <laughs> it's one of those right. things that like you're, you're having those discussions that are pretty much a discussion of a married couple who are sharing finances and everybody's not ready or mature yeah. enough, yeah. Um, emotionally mm-hmm. or intellectually have those discussions and you've got to honor the space that each of you are in yeah. um, and grow together. If you want it to succeed, yeah. honor the space, you start where you are yeah. and move forward from there. Yeah. So, and so that, that makes yeah. me think, you said a couple of things that, that are leading to this next question. You talked about mm-hmm. we're learning and growing, right? We're mm-hmm. doing this as adults, e- even trying to, to figure out how, how you do it together, married or not. The thing that that right. brings to my, to my mind is, Failure is imminent, right? So much mm-hmm. like on a diet, right? You can do great for six days, but on that seventh day, you may have a crash and, and eat everything in yeah. your refrigerator. How do, how do right. you manage through that? You know, for me, it was staying focused on why. Like, yeah. why am I doing this? What am I hoping to achieve? And um, accepting that I can't let a bad day derail me, right? Yeah. So like, I just, I had to come to terms with the fact that those bad days were going to exist. And in fact, um, those bad days were how I got how I got here, yeah. right? So to me, it's like, if you think about it, I had 60 bad days in a row and that's how I got here because I went shopping all 60 of those days, whether it was online or in a store or eating out or whatever it was, I did something negative for 60 days in a row or more to get to this point. So I am not going to fault myself if I have one day out of seven or 10 where I did something bad, you yeah. know, like or where I could have done better. It just means I've got to learn from it. Um, And for me, it goes back to, I really had to process what my emotional and financial triggers were. Why was I spending in this way? Yeah, because people people don't um, necessarily align their emotional self with their financial self. But to me, to be like a really holistically healthy individual, that's a, a process you have to go through. Your physical self, your emotional self, your financial self, all of them must be aligned and must be, you know, understanding and forgiving of one another. Otherwise it just won't work. So to me, I realized like when I was having a struggle day with my, my mental, I may eat a certain way or spend a certain way or both to compensate for the fact that I'm not feeling or looking the way I want to look. So it's kind of like approaching all of the different levers in my life and balancing them. And just even at the end of the day, right. I had a journal for a while and I'm not really good at a daily journal, but I, I challenged myself to read a specific uh, book. It was like 365 days of positivity. I have to find it. But in part of that was thinking about what happened to me today. You know, what 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 happened to me and what did I happen upon? Like, what did I give to the world? What did the world give to me? And how do I feel about it yeah. every day? Um, and that helped because basically I could recognize that on six or seven or eight of these prior days, I had a really great day. Yeah. I did all the things I was supposed to do. And so even if today is a little bit difficult, I can read backwards and reflect on the fact that I'm building a muscle, I'm exercising, I'm learning, I'm growing. And this one day is not the end of days. It yeah. is a day 
and it ends, you know, at midnight it ends and I can start and do better, yeah. you know, the moment after that. Literally. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Joycelyn, for you, take, taking the idea of we're learning and we're, and we're failing, uh-huh. if you had to think about the process that you and your husband have taken, what have been across the entire time frame the two largest hurdles you two had to get over together? Consistency, mm-hmm. you know, just staying consistent, not getting um, distracted by shiny objects. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, because we, in the age of social media, you see so many people taking these nice vacations, getting these nice cars, you know, buying bigger houses. Um, and I, it, it definitely makes you feel like, oh, you know, I wish I, you know, could do that. I wish I was in that, in that space, even though we have not sacrificed um, enjoying our lives. You know, we're not going out, taking trips every month or every other month. So, you know, it's like, oh, I wish I could just go on vacation right now. But I know I need to focus on, you know, paying this off because this is our bigger goal. Our goal is to be able to do that, but not have to come home and still have to worry about debt. You know, our goal is to be able to, you know, spend that money and enjoy ourselves. And then we come back and we're still, you know, saving and not having to spend you know, yeah. a certain amount each month on debt. Because when when we look at how much we're spending, basically what it was was each each debt payment comes out of our checks. So when we look at how much is going out of our household a month for debt payments, it's like, why are we, why are we spending all this money to get, you know, for somebody else? This is money we could be saving, yeah. investing, you know? So that definitely helps us um, to stay motivated. I, I, w- I want to ask, I know people have been wondering, and we're coming towards the end, so I'll just have a few more questions, but sure. when, you, when you started, I think two and a half to three years ago, you were at 77000 yep. Yes. Budgeted, put the plan in place, yeah. have been working yeah. the plan, got thrown off a little bit yeah. by COVID. We get it. The whole world was. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, um, we, we basically did the snowball effect where we started paying off the high interest stuff and everything. Um, so we got rid of a lot of my student loans. We got rid of all the credit, my credit cards. Um, we got, we got rid of one car completely. We had two car notes. So we got rid of one car note. Um, so now we're just down to my car and then the balance of my student loans and then my husband's student loans. So we're hoping that we'll be done soon. Nice. So what, what's, what's your number today? So the number today would be about 37,000. So you, so you, you pretty paid much half. over half. That's beautiful. Yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah. Half. And it would have and. Like I said, it would have been more <laughs> had we been able to get, you know, do stuff in 2020 right. to get I mean, rid you, you of lost the whole some year. of the stuff. Yeah. 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 And that was really because everybody was saying like there was no so much uncertainty. Yeah. It just it, I think it would have been more irresponsible to <laughs> pay it off. It would have been extremely irresponsible. Even though we wouldn't have had the monthly payments, we just wouldn't have had that those chunks of cash. Yeah. To if you need our it. safety net. And cash yeah. is king. Yeah. Cash yes. is king. I mean, definitely so. take the right approach, which is what most people did during COVID is like, you know, hold the cash to some extent. Obviously, pay a little more than the minimum if you can, but you've got to keep yeah. a certain nest egg, especially like times like this, you need about six months yeah. Um, yeah. Of, of your monthly expenses put to the side. And everybody calculates that a little differently, but, you know, at least your mortgage, 
your car note, your insurance, health insurance, um, food, and a little more than minimum. So I would yeah. say one, 10% over minimum credit card payments is what you need to calculate as your monthly. And you need at least six months of that. Um, yeah. To your point, Joy, that helps with the... Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Homeowners... Um, expense of having things happen to your home. Just, I mean, I've had flooding in my home three times now to the point my insurance dropped me. Wow. I got to the yeah. point where they spent so much money on water damage that it was the same cost as my house. Yeah. Wow. So well, I they was were just, just basically that, like, yeah, nah, no more insurance for you. <laughs> yeah. I was just saying that we had to replace our roof. Um, yeah. So that came, that came up. Um, and by me having not being able to work for, you know, yeah. those months, it really didn't affect us. Like yeah. it really didn't make it, right? a huge difference. That's the benefit of what you we did. We were already set. Yeah. We were already set to, you know, we already to had this okay. money aside. And so yeah. we were just like, okay, let's just hold on to it for now. Um, if things open back up, we can we, we can pick up where we left off. But if you're still going to be out for a few months, then we, need we have and we'll yeah we out. have this. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually didn't really need to dip into you know a lot because, like I said, we had cleared up you know all the cars other payments, and so stuff. everything was easy. So <clears throat> it was very manageable to just kind of you know chug along, keep chugging along, and that has been a blessing um, for us. I don't know if we would have been able to do that. Two years ago. Not been exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Two years and, ago. And that's important. And I, I want to, you made me think about something because one thing that, um, you know, you said you did was really focus on like how to pay off the debt because the income is what it is. And you're just kind of needing to take that income and make sure you're utilizing it in the best way. I think one yeah. of the radical things that I, I tend to think uh, for myself and for my clients is, um, is the income really what it is? You know, and what I mean by that is like, have I challenged myself as as a woman, especially um, to make to earn what I can really earn? Yeah. And there is a lot of uh, statistical information about just the, the wealth gap, obviously, um, in male to female and also just yep. in African-American women in general. Mm-hmm. And so when you take a moment and just have a really radical thought about like, am I making enough? Um, maybe not. Right. And that was one of the first things I did when I realized like my catalyst moment to your point, Darius, was I left Best Buy where I was making 60000 minimum plus, you know, additional. And I was hourly at right. 60000 So there were times where I could make more than that if I needed to. You yeah. know, if I needed to rev mm-hmm. up, I could do that. Um, but when I left and went into my first salary job, I was only making $45,000 a year. And it was a huge drop off because yeah. actually when I finally left Best Buy, I was at about $80,000 a year. Wow. Mm-hmm. So... Um, with bonuses and everything. I was on a team that opened new stores and we were getting like fifteen, twenty thousand dollars every three months for every store that we opened. So I was, I mean, I had opened four stores. It was kind of like, you know, and I and I knew I needed to leave because I didn't want to get stuck in the retail churn and no, no disrespect to anybody in retail. I just knew that that's not what I wanted. Right. And I had to take a huge pay cut to get out of it. And that was the moment where like, okay, I can no longer afford this debt at this salary. And I started just struggling to to make ends meet just from that salary change. It was nothing else in my life. Nothing negative happened. Just a conscious choice to go in a different direction. Yeah. And when I started questioning myself and researching like how much I should be making to do the job I'm doing, 
I realized that I was grossly underpaid. Yeah. You know, my financial advisor sat down with me and he was like, we can't save on this. And so instead of coaching me around like savings, he started asking me like, well, what do you do? Okay, well, tell me about that. What is this job title? How many people do you manage? What are their job titles? And he looked at me and said, you know, you should be making at least $77,000. Mm. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's money. He was like, no, $77,000 at a minimum. And mm. you need to go tell them that. And I was sitting there at 21 years old, like, I'm not going to tell these people I need to make sense. Sir, what are you saying? They're going to fire me. I just got this job. Yeah. Who am I to tell them, you know, what I should make? And irony I did end up, that conversation spun me off into doing a lot of research. I did go back and ask for a raise and I literally got $77,000 from making a PowerPoint presentation to my boss, explaining to them like what I was doing, what that national average was for that role, why I thought I should make that. And they didn't even blink. And when I tell you that moment changed my life, I was like, oh, you know what? It's not that it's not out there. I'm not asking for it. That's right. I'm not looking for it. Ain't I'm nobody not trying to give it. us nothing. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's trying to give you anything. And the reason, the number that I was making was my own choice. When I interviewed, they asked me like, okay, what's your salary requirement? And mm. I said 45000 and they sent me a letter and said, here's your forty five. Have a good day. And, we're, and, I, and we're I ended happy. up, they were excited. And I found out at the time that I was asking for a raise, there was a guy there. I'll never forget. We're friends to this day. He was the HR manager. He talked to me and he said, yeah, and so just, you know, future advice, let the, the employer start first or at least ask for a range or something before you offer a number because they were prepared to pay you $65,000 and you asked for forty five. dollars So they gave you what you asked for. And mm-hmm. that's that. And I was wondering why they were so excited to get me like, oh, yes, come on in, girl, $45,000. Yes, you're great. And I was working hard, staying late, 9, 10 o'clock at night you know, and still in school at the time and just did not even know that I had basically talked myself out of $20,000 with just, you know, misinformation or not knowing any better and suffered with that for a solid year because I didn't know any better. And so that's one of the things, because I have a lot of female clients um, who don't even ask, who've never talked to their superiors about their salaries or raises or anything like that. And it's a difficult conversation for us because we're not trained to negotiate for ourselves. And so that's one of the first things in the budget is don't assume the top line is the top line. Make it a different number if that's what you need. I love that. The fact that we forgot about the whole other side of the equation all this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like we, we, talk, we always talk about the expense side and cutting back and all of that. And that's great. But my approach, I definitely cut back, but I also was like going full steam ahead on how I could move this number up. Um, and not doing anything, you know, unscrupulous or scandalous, just really what can I do to fortify myself? I went back and got my master's degree, got some certifications. Like, what can I do that basically allows me to leverage things I already know to make more money um, for myself and for my household? So there's definitely two sides to the, the budget discussion. And obviously, inbound is actually where it starts. Absolutely. Listen, I, I love that. I think this has been an amazing conversation. We're at the end, and what I always like to do is is, is let our guests kind of close it out. And so in this instance, I'd, I'd love if you would just take a few moments and tell the listeners the most important things that you can think of that they need to walk away from this episode with. Absolutely. I'd love to. So I hope that listeners took from this that um, debt is not your enemy in and of itself. It's really about being knowledgeable, educated, and managing the debt. Um, you know, in a, in a proper way. And then when you get into a tough situation, considering all of your options, 
from the top down, you know, considering the income and how you're making it and is there a potential there and considering the best uh, processes for you as an individual, as a household to either earn more, save more, spend less, whatever approach works best for you. And then also realizing how dynamic that can be from day to day. Like don't get so married to one idea that you're beating yourself up when it doesn't work. This is a living, breathing thing as you are living and breathing, as you are learning and growing. Um, just don't give up on yourself and know that, you know, it starts with acknowledging that you need to do something. Whatever the catalyst moment is for you, whenever that acknowledgement happens, accept it and then just start doing something. Get advice, seek assistance. There's no shame. There are so many. I mean, the three of us all on this call have said that we all struggled with this in different ways. Yeah. I guarantee you people are standing next to you looking really shiny and polished and posted on Instagram and are struggling as well. Yeah. So you're not alone and, and there's no need to be ashamed or afraid um, to, to seek help and to start making better decisions for yourself so that you end up, you know, mentally free, financially free. Amen. Amen. That's, that, that is a great message. Joycelyn, you are going through this. You have been going through this. Yeah. If you had one, let me back up. If you had a megaphone that went to the ear of every single black person in the entire world, they had no choice but to listen to the everything that came out of your mouth. They couldn't turn you down. They couldn't turn you off. They couldn't change the channel. You had them for 60 seconds. What would you tell them? I would just say that it, getting a hold of your finances is very important. It is something that will help you navigate and just take a lot of pressure off of your um, off of your plate um, when you can just be organized and kind of know what what is what take it seriously um i know with so the, with the age of social media there's so much to compare um but everyone's journey is different yeah. and just don't get discouraged don't get discouraged by you know for me for someone who has been doing this um and still on this journey it's easy for me to get discouraged because it's not finished you know so i could easily sit here and beat myself up but the progress that I've made so far has definitely outweighed um, not being able to fully finish and being able, just being in a better financial um, place. Because I've never, I've never been this financially secure um, prior. Because I, I always just kind of went with the flow. Oh, it's you know, I gotta live my life. I can't focus on these things. But as you start to get older. Um, you realize like, man, if I had known this when I was this age, I would have done it so differently. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, figuring out what works best for you. Don't be afraid to talk about money. That's something that is hugely, hugely missed in our community is no one likes to talk about money. No yeah. one likes to ask questions. No one likes to ask tips um, and for help. Those things are really, really important. Um, even if you they don't give you an answer, just the fact that you ask may even make them think like, oh, okay, maybe I should be a little bit more open to help, open to helping someone. Yeah. Um, because that's the only way we're going to learn is by asking questions, doing the research. Um, and just, sorry, I know that was more than 60 seconds, but <laughs> um, just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just really, really important to um, take, 
take something like this very seriously. Yeah. The earlier, the better, but it's never too late to start. Yeah. You know, there's it's never, you know, too late to start. And there's never uh, too much or too little amount that you can um, pay off. I love it. I love it. Now look, that's it. Wild Black, that's, that's all we got. I hope you got something out of this. I know I heard a, a bunch of tips and a bunch of nuggets for you to take back with you. I have been on this journey for a while. I'm not to my destination yet. I'm still budgeting. I'm still talking with the wife. I'm still dreaming, but I'm still building my path to where it is that I'm supposed to be. Go back, listen again if you need to. Check the episode notes for information on our guests so you can track them, get closer to what they're doing. And with that, Wild Black, we out. Peace. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.